So you might only listen to a 30-minute podcast for 20 minutes. That's all you pay. You don't pay the 30 minutes. That's the same with music. You could do that with music, with video, with audiobooks. It's not limited to podcasting. And that variable model of payment is really what I was trying to say earlier that Spotify needs to get into because people will pay, you know, listen to more stuff than the average or less stuff than the average, depending on where you are. And they could then make more money or at least, you know, uh, feed the long tail. You're listening to PodChat, the show that invites leaders of the podcast space to share their insights on the trends that will help you grow your podcast. I'm your host, Danny Brown, and today it's my pleasure to welcome Sam Sefi to the show. Sam is the CEO of PodFans, a soon-to-be-release marketplace where listeners can both discover and support the shows they love. He's also the owner and managing director of River Radio, a podcast-first 24-7 digital radio platform based in the UK and the host of Sam Talks Tech Podcast, as well as co-host and editor of Pod News Weekly. He's also a vocal advocate for the value for value system of supporting podcasters financially. We'll be chatting about that and more in this episode. So without further ado, Sam Sefi, welcome to the show. Hey Danny, how are you? Who is that man with uh, all those things? God, didn't recognize I know, it. it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> funny when I, I read um, like bios and like achievements out of some guests, it's like that. that rash. Sometimes I think you forget exactly how much you do, right? When you're a guest or when you're not a guest or whatever yeah no it's uh i'm a busy busy person occasionally <laughs> and before we start i feel it'd be really remiss of me as an arsenal fan to point out you're a liverpool fan and you're having an interesting season this year in the premier league oh look it, it the arsenal fans are out the bloody woodwork <laughs> now aren't they two or three seasons ago you couldn't hear about an arsenal fan you know highbury the library as it was known um <laughs> You wouldn't hear a word from them. But uh, yeah, no, great team this season. You've got young team. Um, Arteta's doing a wonderful apprenticeship before he's the manager of Man City. So enjoy him while you've got him because he'll be replacing Pep. Um, but no, good luck to you. I think you'll win it. Um, or if you don't, you'll come close second like Liverpool did three years in a row. Uh, and really frustrating to have it go by um, one point. But that's about it, really. Um yeah, no, great team so far this year. We are pants. We won't make Europe. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's about us, really. It, it's just interesting. I guess it's not interesting as a Liverpool fan, but as a, a, a neutral, I can't say neutral, I've got friends that are neutral and watch the EPL. Um, and they're just like curious how it just fell off. You know, as you mentioned, like champions, second runners up, etc. So it's be interesting to see how that pans out next year. Maybe a big rebuild for Klopp. Without, without serious investment, there and a brand new midfield um we'll just be mid-table for a few years maybe you can get like a um crowdsourcing uh, value for value fan uh, <laughs> campaign going Start well, with... maybe, maybe we could sell an nft to the cop yeah everyone buys an <laughs> nft awesome. <laughs> now you've got a very strong back as i mentioned in the intro there you've got a very strong background in the digital industry mm-hmm. initially writing about UK startups and sponsoring some of the earliest digital events like Low Web and Techcelery in Manchester, mm-hmm. England back in 2007. Yep. So what were these early days like? Because that's pretty digital pioneering days right there. Well, I was there even before that. So I was the European product manager for Netscape. Um, so I remember having to go around and explain what the web was and what an URL was and what a browser was in and, and you know the first early web pages were rubbish i mean they were if you remember rubbish and it was difficult to get onto the web you know 
most people didn't have a TCP IP stack. Most people didn't have a browser. So how do you get the stack? How do you get the browser? Then how do you find a URL? Because guess what? Google didn't <laughs> exist. Um, and so, yeah, the early days were interesting. And then the early days of London and the tech scene were fun. I mean, you know, there'd be about 10 or so of us, a dozen of us, like people like Sol Klein, Mike Butcher, Mike uh, Birch, um, who sold Bebo, Michael Acton-Smith, who does Calm and who had Mushy Monsters. So all of these are friends. And, and what we would all do is organize events um, and invite other startups and VCs. So it was a bit of, you know, we used to call it WWW meant the wild, wild west. I mean, it was um, very back of a fag packet, you know, what are you doing? Can we find some investment? Can you grow it? But it, it, it's grown from there. I mean, now it's a very mature London tech scene like it is in the Valley. Um, but yeah, in the early days, it was great fun. It was just, you know, find a venue, speak about the web. And I imagine it's similar. It sounds like it's similar to the early days of podcasting before mm -hmm. Apple came along, or iTunes, I guess, um, before they came along. And you had to control the MP3 upload on a server and, you know, getting it out on feeds and how they'd, you'd actually listen to it. Um, so it's, it's cool to see how tech evolves and, and makes it simpler, but also, I guess, can make it a bit more complex. We were speaking earlier about the Roadcaster Pro 2 and how that's mm -hmm. a really complex piece of kit for, you know, the average podcaster, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, my favorite expression is from Edward de Bono, the guy who uh, basically came up with um, the statement, complexity has failed simplicity. And I, I fully, fully agree. You know, all too often, um, the challenge of tech is to make what is a very complex task as simple enough for the end user with no technical skills. And as I was saying, the 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 days of, you know, the complexity of getting online are now, you know, nobody cares. I mean, <laughs> through COVID, everyone managed, even, you know, my 91-year-old father-in-law managed to get onto Zoom, right? It, it, people manage these things, right? And and that's great because it's become simple enough. And I think with modern podcasting, and I'm sure we'll get onto it with value for value and micropayments and, and digital wallets, it's all complex. It's new vocabulary. It's new words. And people are like, mm, I'm not sure I understand this. And what's the value for? And do I really want to do this? And it reminds me of the very early days of people going, oh, the web's a bit rubbish, really. And um, I don't really know if I want to do that. But now look at us. <laughs> and, and I guess that probably ties into the, the um, viral tribe that you were co-founder and CEO mm -hmm. of that match celebrities and the digital footprints to brands and via the podcast and video channels, for example. So how did that come about? What was that? Well, obviously, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I've got my own radio station, uh, which is fun. And, and just before we get on to Viral Tribe, um, the radio station isn't a traditional radio station. We're not a music radio station. I don't believe music is the future of radio. I think Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you can get your music where you want now. Um, and kids don't use radio. My kids have never really bothered with radio. But talk radio and communication in that sense is where I think radio has its footprint in the future. And so what I did was I created a hyper-local radio station that fundamentally was a podcast radio station. So every show is only one hour long, and all those shows are broadcast live. So I managed to get a shoutcast server connected to DAB, which is the uh, broadcast capability of car there's an alexa there's web so suddenly 
we could take what we're doing now, but do what people are saying we should be doing, which is live broadcasting it. So I've worked out how to do that already with a roadcaster in a studio um, using a piece of software called BUT, which stands for broadcast using this thing. Really simple piece of software. <laughs> um, and so you get, you know, I've gone through that learning curve. So that was great. And I got, I think we've got 25 shows. They're all on Spotify and Apple and it all works, right? It was great. And so we're, we're moving that forward. And while I was doing that, somebody approached me and said, um, hey, uh, you know a little bit about podcasting. Do you want to do something with us? We've got loads of celebrities and we've got loads of sponsors and we want to do something to do with podcasting. And I went, hmm, okay. So the guy, one of the guys used to run Hello Magazine and the other guy used to run the Evening Standard. So I thought, you know, fairly decent credibilities. Uh, unfortunately, um, they decided that they'd pay themselves and not pay me, which didn't really work well with me, um, strangely. And as I was building the whole technical platform, I went, mm, actually, I'll just take my toys and go and do it myself, which is what I did. So Viral Tribe may exist with those guys, but they've got no technical platform. I've taken all the IP with me. And that is now what we call Podfans, which is my new baby, which I'm building. So yeah, so Podfans is the child of Viral Tribe. And obviously you'd mentioned that um, River Radio. It's mm -hmm. a podcast first radio station, mm -hmm. um, not like the traditional digital radio station that plays songs from the charts or, you know, um, US imports, etc. And I'm wondering, are you seeing more of that kind of convergence where media companies are getting more into podcasting? They're seeing it. I mean, I know the, the company I work for, Captivate, was purchased by Global mm -hmm. uh, a year ago. Yep. Um, and that seems to be merging a lot of the... Um, podcast and first approach that you mentioned with River Radio. Do you think that's going to be um, something that more media outlets take on? Yeah, I do. I think, look at the BBC with BBC Sound, you know, and one of my favourite programmes is The Curious Case of Hannah um, with um, uh, Hannah Fry, I can't remember the other, Rutherford and Fry, so The Curious Case of Rutherford and Fry. That's broadcast on Radio 4 on a Thursday at 3 in the afternoon or something like that. I have no idea. I never listened to it then. I just subscribed to the podcast. And that, to me, is where I get that content. And I think Global, you mentioned Captivate um, being the acquired company. Um, you know, the news agent, brilliant show, my daily listen, um, that goes out. I don't need to listen to Global Radio to get the news agent. I just want mm. the news agent. And I want, so now, in many ways, I don't expect my listeners on my radio station to listen live. They can do. That's their choice. But I expect more often than not, they'll just subscribe to one, maybe two shows. And that's all they'll ever listen to River Radio for. And I'm quite happy with that, really. And I know we we spoke about, you mentioned earlier there about pod fans, and we'll definitely talk about that uh, later in the episode. Podcast advertising and sponsorship, obviously, it's been huge for the last couple of years as a, a discussion point and an investment point, you know, from brands throwing a lot of money into podcasting. Um, but what lessons have you learned from? what you did at Viral Tribe, what you've been doing, you know, maybe with River Radio, what you're planning to do with Podfans. What lessons have you learned from how you see sponsorships and, and advertising as a monetization, not talking about value for value at the moment, and where that will lead to as we sort of move into 2023, 2024? So on the radio station, we don't do traditional radio ads. They're just too, they take too long because we're hyper-local. We work across three counties, uh, Berkshire, Oxfordshire, and Buckinghamshire. Um, local businesses, by the time they've done copy, got a voiceover artist, paid for the ad, blah, blah, blah. 
they just don't want to pay the amount. So we do sponsor only local sponsor shows. So I've got a wine show called Uncorked, and that's sponsored by Harrow and Hope, which is a local wine producer. I've got a show called The School of Parenting, which is about, you know, it says what it does on the tin about parenting. <laughs> um, and we have a local um, school um, uniform company that sponsors them, right? So we went for sponsors. It's really, really hard, though, to find them. I mean, look, you know, you've got to convince them that there's a value in it. There's an audience. Chicken, meat, egg, you know, have I got an audience? Have I got a sponsor? Have I got a show? If I get a sponsor, I've got a show, then I get an audience. Which way does it work? I don't know. So uh, we've taken the the view that we'll create the shows first, then find the sponsors, and then build a bigger audience, hopefully. Um, with things like Pod News, which I do with James, um, we were very, very lucky to get Buzzsprout as our sponsor from day one. Yeah, we throw in a few ads from Buzzsprout ads into the middle of it occasionally from time to time, but that's not our bread and butter. I mean, if it was, Christ, we wouldn't even be going now. Um, you know, there's not <laughs> enough money. There's not enough money to buy a coffee, let alone anything else. Um, so sponsorship's great. Now, going forward, though, in 23, hmm, I don't think sponsorship uh, is going to be easy. I think uh, the economic hardship's going to make it much harder for companies to find sponsors. I also think advertising is going to be diminished, and so your CPM rates will drop. Um, and I think subscriptions are a waste of time. I think Apple subscriptions and the soon-to-be-announced Spotify subscriptions and other subscriptions, I don't really see them as valuable. Um, you know, uh, we were asked by Apple to put pod news into a subscribed, and we realized if we did that, we'd go from the audience we have now to about a tenth of the audience. It just doesn't make any monetary value sense. If if we went into subscriptions and everyone was paying us £100 per episode as a, you know, listener, but we lost um, nine-tenths of our audience and we still made the same amount of sponsorship money, maybe we might do it. But the reality is we'll lose nine-tenths of the audience and we'll lose probably nine-tenths of the money as well. Um, so I don't believe right now, 2023, that that's going to work. Look, Spotify's uh, big announcement on Monday was they're laying off 6% of their staff. They've lost a ton of money. Their, 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 capital, their market cap has gone from $78 million down to $15 million. They've dumped a ton of money into exclusives that haven't worked. They paid Joe Rogan two hundred million, and yet look at it: share prices dropping. They're not making money. They're doing layoffs, and shows are leaving from exclusives. The problem with Spotify is they've got a fixed ceiling ninety nine ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine, you know, depending on family or individual. Now, mm. if you're a massive listener of, I don't know, Coldplay or Beyonce or, or Bruno Mars, and you listen to twenty or thirty tracks a day and you're a podcaster, and you listen to audiobooks, you're, you're getting more value than the $9.99. But they can't charge you more because they've got a flat fee. They need a variable fee. They need a way to be able to say, right, Danny's a really heavy user of music. Sam's a really heavy user of podcasts. The amount that you consume is the amount you pay. But they haven't got that model. So I think Spotify in 23 is going to suffer a lot more than they think they are. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that it's a good model for them right now. It seems similar to the issues that Netflix are going through at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, they were the darling of the streaming world um, and have been for many years. And then, obviously, you know, the HBO came along, uh, Disney Plus, Apple Plus TV, 
or Apple TV Plus, whatever it's called. Yep. <laughs> um, but they're struggling. They've ha- they've had a lot of a pushback, obviously, from subscribers about they're offering an ad free model, but it's going to be at reduced quality. If you want to share your account, uh, you can have a family plan, but you're mm-hmm. only allowed to use it based on IP, which is going to mess things up because if your wife is in london on a business trip and i'm at home and my kids are at university that's three different ips so they're going to tell me i can't have that i need three so it's it's going interesting to see how as you mentioned sam to what models are going to come in you know from our we know from a fact the advertising led model where you don't pay for a subscription on netflix has failed massively that's not worked at all the uptake's been low uh, and people don't want it um, I was talking to Mark Asquith earlier today on Twitter and you know, we were arguing about, um, you know, do, do do people want, you know, um, features and functions of all this complexity? And as I said earlier, the complexity will be hidden. It will become simple. And I was saying to Mark, I, nobody wants ads. Look, if you can pay for or not have ads, and that's proven, I watch and I pay a subscription on Spotify or Netflix or Apple TV not to get ads. I do that specifically. If I had to watch the ads and wait for them, I'd just die. I mean, it's awful. You know, I remember the, I don't watch ITV hardly now and I fast forward everything I can. Um, So ads, we know people don't want, they just put up with it. Um, It's a compromise. We know that subscriptions are not what people really want. What would be lovely as we keep, I keep harping on about is people consuming or paying only for what they consume. That would be the perfect model. Um, And I think I've joked with James um, we've, I've joked many a time that I think Netflix and Spotify will have to merge. The reason is Amazon has movies, music, podcasts. Apple has movies, music. And, you know, you look at this various stacks, whereas Netflix just has movies and Spotify just has music and podcasts, right? They both have a hole in their offering. And so I've called it Spotflix. <laughs> Spotflix is going to be the new 2023 company. I keep predicting this. So, so much so, I bought the domain, spotflix.com. And uh, Daniel Eck, you're more than welcome to come and buy it from me for uh, loads and loads of money. Um, but yeah, and I think <laughs> I think both companies need to do something because they're going down fast. And it's funny you mentioned that uh, conversation with Mark. Um, as we record this episode, I saw that tweet exchange and, and I thought it was interesting, the points that we were both bringing to the, the table. And and it ties in nicely to the, the question of value for value and monetization and paying for what you consume. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you'd mentioned that advertising budgets being cut, sliced all over the place as brands are letting people go, unfortunately. Uh, and the econ- economic you know outlook doesn't look great for the next 12 months at the very least. Um, so... It's getting harder. Yeah. And obviously, you're a huge proponent of value for value. We'll talk about pod fans soon. For anyone not aware of value for value, what is it and why are you so excited about it? So the pod father, Adam Curry, the guy who is credited with inventing podcasting, um, came up with a concept many years ago, which was, look, I will uh, ask you to pay for my content um, that I create, but I won't tell you how much to pay. I'll just ask you to pay me what you think it's worth. In fact, strangely, we don't know this, or many people don't know this. The price that you see in a shop is only a tender offer price. It's not, do you remember the good old days of RRP, Mm -hmm. retail recommended price? And they removed that because you can't do that legally. You can't have an RRP. So they put a price and fundamentally, if you were 
you know, brave enough, you could take that up to the counter and go, ha ha, that 1999, I'll give you 1499 for it. No, I want to pay 1799. No, I'll give you that. You could barter that price. That is literally what it's available. You could say, I value this garment or this drink or this piece of food at this price, but we don't. We're too embarrassed. We're too British. Um, but that same model of value for value is, is now brought to the web. Now, why have we only just heard about it? Why is it only just becoming, I guess, uh, known about or popular or underground even? It's still very underground. At my days at Netscape, um, Mark Andreessen, the founder, said that one of his biggest mistakes was not inventing a micropayment system. And in replacement of that micropayment system, we did two things. One, we created an advertising-led model because that was the only way to monetize content. And two, we created hearts, likes, thumbs up, claps in Medium as a way of giving sentiment back to the creator that I appreciate what you've done. Now, try and take 100 follows or 100 likes or to the bank and see what they do. They won't, they'll laugh you out the front door. So a micropayment system didn't exist. Libra was tried by Mark Andreessen, but no one trusts Mark Andreessen. So Bitcoin came about, and off that, a one millionth of a Bitcoin is called a Satoshi, or a sat. The guy who invented Bitcoin was called Satoshi. So these sats are micropayments. They're peer-to-peer payments. You don't have to go through a gateway. You don't have to go through a banking system or a third party if you don't want to. Now, when it first came about a couple of years ago, people were like, oh, I don't understand this. What's a sat? Oh, I'm not sure. What's an invoice? How do I pay it? Where's the digital wallet? Going back to what I said earlier, uh, where's TCPIP? How do I find a browser? What's an HTTP URL? Blah, blah, blah. It's terminology that we're all a little bit not familiar with, but as it becomes more familiar, people are becoming much more comfortable with it and the technology is becoming much easier. So nowadays, value for value is in Fountain, as an example, really good app, or in Podverse, another really good app, uh, Custom Pod. Um, all of these have got digital wallets built in. They've got the ability for you to be able to pay a small amount of money. So you, Danny, Somebody listening to this podcast say, hey, I really love this interview that Danny's just done. I want to give Danny 10,000 sats. Now, again, there's a couple of things that people are a bit scared of. <gasps> 10,000 sats, that sounds like a lot of money. Am I going to get bankrupt? <laughs> Do I have to take a mortgage out? No. You know, 10,000 sats is probably a pound, right? So at the end of the day, somebody could say, that's what I value this podcast at, Danny. I'll give you a pound. But to get your credit card out and then give that through a PayPal gateway or a Stripe gateway, you lose a lot of that through the payment of the gateway. By the time it gets to you, and the, I suppose the incumbent, you know, oh, where's my wallet? How do I, I can't be bothered, right? So now you have within, you know, one click access, the ability to just pay 10,000 sats or 100,000 sats or whatever number you want. You can even pay just 10 sats, right? And that's an immediate payment peer-to-peer from the listener to you directly from their wallet to your wallet. And that shows the value that they give you for the content you create. And that's what value value is. And uh, I, I love it as a way of doing it. Now, today, Fountain have just announced that they are doing what they call value per minute, which PodFans does as well. Uh, Oscar and I have, are good friends and we've spoken about this. We have very similar thinking. And so now the way that it works is uh, in Fountain, you can set the amount you want to pay per minute. So you set your own value. 
In PodFounds, we do exactly the same, but we also allow the host to set a suggested value, like a retail recommended price. Yes, we are using <laughs> that. So, Danny, you could say, uh, anyone listening to my podcast, I'm going to charge you 100 sats per minute to listen to my podcast. Right. That's what you want it to be. That's your suggested price. I might go, actually, Danny, I only want to pay 50 sats per minute. Or, no, Danny, you're being a cheapskate. I want to pay you 1,000 sats a minute, right? It's my decision. But the way that we do it is we take the time of the podcast times the 100 sats to give you a suggested value. It might be 7,000 sats to listen to this episode. That's great. Now, we then charge you per minute as you listen, which is great. So you might only listen to a 30-minute podcast for 20 minutes. That's all you pay. You don't pay the 30 minutes. That's the same with music. You could do that with music, with video, with audiobooks. It's not limited to podcasting. And that variable model of payment is really what I was trying to say earlier that Spotify needs to get into because people will pay, you know, listen to more stuff than the average or less stuff than the average, depending on where you are. And they could then make more money or at least, you know, uh, feed the long tail. So I think value for value is the model that will be the future of the internet. Um, Bumper, which is an analyst agency, uh, Jonas Voost uh, last week was talking about something called listen time as a metric rather than downloads. So you might say to an advertiser on this, um, I get 10,000 downloads, therefore um, at £25 CPM, great. That's my uh, earning capacity. That's great for, for the big podcasts, but on the long tail of those that are getting 100 fans or you know 50 fans, they're not going to make a single penny really with £25 CPMs. So value for value is a great way for small podcasts and big podcasts to get, you know, from their true fans, real value. And I think that ties, that's a really good explanation for anybody. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just really dipping my toe into value for value. I only really looked at it about six months ago, maybe because I like to consider myself a techie person, but the, just the terminology and the whole, you know, um, implementation seemed really confusing and it still does a little bit to me so I'll, I'll be pinging you for like uh, help on that but I think that goes back to <laughs> River Radio and your hyperlocal sponsors where it really brings value because your listeners are in the area the businesses are in the area and so you're bringing value to your listeners who then take their value to the brand or the business who then bring their value back to you because it's a complete circle where everybody wins and it seems yes. like you know value for value and obviously pod fans comes into this and plays into this nicely yeah so pod fans we we say um it looks like it, when you see it, it it looks very netflixy um it's a progressive web app so it's not an ios or android app we're not going to pay the apple tax or the or the google tax um so what we've done is we've taken out a curated database so it's not all four million podcasts we didn't want to do that um we want to do cherry pick some of the best podcasts out there to begin with and then allow people on the platform to suggest podcasts that they want to get added to our database um we set a bar so we'll say for example um if you suggested you know one of my podcasts sound talks technology um great you go and find it pull it down and there's a voting button. Now, we say you have to find 10 people to vote for it to get it added to our database. Now, if you can't find 10 hmm. listeners to come on to PodFans to tell me to add that podcast to our database, then, well, you're not going right. to get on. That's just it. Um, 
But the, the, the main thing we've done is, as I said, we, we've created an environment where um, the host basically can come on, they can uh, manage their whole podcast in the back-end admin, they can set their own price for what they want people to pay to leave a comment, to leave a, um, a clip, or um, if they want how much they want per minute to pay for their podcast. So that's really simple. They can do splits if there's two or three or four people. So James and I do a split 50-50 on Pod News. Um, Adam Curry and Dave Jones do much bigger splits because they've got other people they want to pay. Um, you might just have a 100% split, which is just for you, right? So I don't know. So we can do splits. We can do guest splits. So if you look at Adam and Dave, every guest who comes on to the podcast index their podcast, the guest gets a split as well of any sats that are paid by the listeners. So again, it's just a really nice model of you can take every bit of value that's coming in from the listener and you can decide where to give that value back in terms of, you know, is it a producer, is it an editor, the people who gave me the music, somebody else who's given me a clip or a guest. So in PodFounds, we allow, you know, people to come in, find what they want. We've created a really interesting search engine that uses all of the podcast 2.0 index tags. So you can search not just by title, but by name, location, category, keyword, country. Um, you can create your own library of things you're listening to. Um, and then we've got a whole bunch of analytics stuff. You can do, you know, what did I listen to last month? How much did I pay? What value did I give? How long did I listen to it? What's my listen time? What's my listen time compared to other people? So I'm listening to this show here. And I can see what other people listen to. Did they listen to the end? Did they listen halfway through? Um, and so all of that comes from the fact that we can use value for value and real-time streaming sats. And you can't do that with downloads and you can't do that with subscriptions and you can't do that with advertising. And I wonder, obviously, the the, the goal is value for value. Uh, but I wonder if that approach you mentioned about the the listen time and the drop-off and the, you know where the audience is sticky and where the show is sticky if that will help, because I think there's still maybe confusion around value for value. Um, and maybe it got um, a bad reputation for want of a better description because of the whole Bitcoin shenanigans that mm -hmm. came out in the last six months, I guess, with uh, what happened there with some of the the, the dodgy uh, players in that space. Um, so what, what's PodFans? I don't know. I mean, you mentioned it there. Um, that it seems really clear what the goal is with PodFans and how it's different from, say, some of the stuff that's on the market now, especially for the podcaster and the creators that help that podcast come to life. How will, how will you make it an easier uptake from people that might be looking at value for value, but it's not at their education level or expertise level? Yeah, we, we, we don't even want to give those words. We don't want even people to have to think about it. So the onboarding when you come to PodFans is using gamification. So we've created 30 different verbs within the system, you know, join, log in, uh, activate wallet, um, first episode, whatever. So the way it works is you would create an account. It would say, welcome on board, daddy. First thing that you can complete is put your display name in. Second one is upload your avatar. Third one is activate your wallet. You don't need to do more than click one button. Fourth thing is... Um, put your country code in so we know what country you're from and what currency to display the sats in. So we put the sats in, obviously 5,000 sats, but in brackets in small amount, we'll put your local currency because you're in a learning curve, right? 
maybe in six months we won't show that local currency, but now we need to. We need to know that 5,000 sats is 70p or it's, uh, it's, you know, it's $90, sorry, 90 cents, right? So people need to feel comfortable that the amount that they're seeing is a small amount and they're not going to be, you know, losing their mortgage. So we bring you on board in a very gentle step-by-step process. And at the end of that process, guess what? You've got a load of sats in a wallet that you now have. You don't need to know how you got the wallet. It's just there. You don't need to know why you've got all these sats, but that's the gamification. We've rewarded you for completing the task we wanted. And now you can listen to your first episode. So you listen to your first episode and we take money out of that wallet and you're streaming and happy days. We've made it with one click top up. So again, if you've got a credit card and you've run out of sats, but you need some more sats, you can just one click, put your credit card, go to MoonPay, upload 30 pounds, you know, which will give you, you know, a load of sats. Um, can't think that'll be probably 300,000 sats, you know, plenty to play with. Um, and there you go, your wallet's back. So a year ago, you couldn't do that integration with MoonPay. A year ago, you couldn't give that wallet easily because the Lightning Network didn't exist. A year ago, we didn't have this gamification onboarding to reward your activity with SaaS preloaded into a wallet that you can now start to use. So for the average user, they don't need to understand all of this value for value. They just need to know, I've got a wallet with some money in, and that episode says, in order to play it, I need to pay so many SaaS. So I start streaming. And if I run out of stats while I'm streaming, I can top it up. Simple. That's all it has to be. And I think when you look back at some of the stuff that was strange when it first came out, um, nobody talks about doing a search um, anymore. They say, go Google it. You know, you want to learn more about me? Google it. So we, we get to that stage where we've got verbs like we can pay for stuff with our phone. I can, I can use Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever it's called. Uh, Google Wallet? Apple Wallet? I'm not sure. <laughs> but I can tap my phone at the shop and it's there. Yes. We don't know how it's there. We just know I've got money in my bank. I can pay right away. So it sounds like you've definitely yeah. got that figured out as to removing that fear of the technology behind it and the, the terminology, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe where I struggled at the moment, at least for laymen like me. Yeah, look, as I say, complexity is fail simplicity. We as technologists, which is what I was saying to Mark, I said to Mark Asquith earlier, if Henry Ford asked his customers what they wanted, they'd say a faster horse. They wouldn't have said a car, right? And as a technologist, Mark and I and you and anyone else who's a technologist or an entrepreneur, we are visionary in the sense that we can see the future of technology or we think we can, at least we try to see that future and we try and bring that technology into mainstream use. Now, the first iterations of it are gaffer taped and a little bit, you know, put together on the back of a plastic bag but eventually we get it right and we then smooth it out and then we get feedback and then it gets implemented then it gets adopted and then it goes mainstream and that's really what we have to do and I think in the 12 months I've seen since value for value and digital wallets and satoshis came about it's become so much easier and and just one clarity for you uh, Bitcoin and crypto are not the same. Mm. And, and there's a lot of uh, people who go, oh, it's all in the same bag, that Dogecoin, that, that you know, crypto, that Sam Friedman Bank, you know, the FTX. No, Bitcoin is 21 million Bitcoin. It's a fix. It's a bit like digital gold. And there are, you know, a million sats, 100 million sats per Bitcoin, right? So on the other side is Ethereum, NFTs, F- FTX, Bitcoin, uh, sorry, um, Sam Bankman-Free, Dogecoin, and all that. 
that I wouldn't touch <laughs> with a barge pole. It is scamware, right? As far as I'm concerned. Uh, and it, I think it's been proven to be scamware most of the time. But Bitcoin is, yeah, something that I think we'll see a lot more people feel confident. The price of Bitcoin's going back up as people are more confident that it's not the same as the other stuff. And I think the, um, the, the way that we talk about it is, you know, don't trust, verify. And that's what Bitcoin's about, verification in a digital coin. And that's, I appreciate that clarification because that definitely goes back to the early point about making it super simple for people to understand and trust, which is where the growth will come from. So I appreciate that. As I say, I, I like to think I'm techie, but I know in this space and this <laughs> this whole conversation, I am anything but. So I appreciate that. So Sam, this has been an education. I knew it would be listening to your shows and you talking online and in your podcast about this. I knew it would be. So thank you for coming on today's show. Uh, pleasure, Danny. For people that want to learn more about value for value your podcast that you run river radio mm-hmm. or, or even get to learn or get the the jump start on how they can be involved in pod fans when that launches for example where's the best place to connect or uh, hang out with you yeah uh, i i'm still shh, don't tell anyone i'm still on twitter um i i'm not a big fan <laughs> of mastodon i'm sorry um you know i should be an advocate for decentralization but i just find it really rubbish um, and, uh, so I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm still on Twitter. So, uh, at Sam talks tech or at Sam Sefi or at join pod fans. So, uh, or at river radio live as well. So mini apps, I'm sorry there. Um, if you want to know more about pod fans, uh, we're pre alpha right now. We will be doing the alpha, uh, in probably two weeks. We're, we're trying as fast as we can to get the alpha out the front door and, um, so if you follow at join pod fans, you'll get to see some early screenshots. You'll get to know when we do open the door for the alpha and the beta. We are going to be at podcast movement in Vegas. That's where I'm on stage doing a live demo of it all and launching it. So no panic or pressure there. <laughs> um, um, with river radio at river radio live. Um, again, uh, you can find all of our shows on Apple or Spotify and uh, yeah, James and I do Pod News, Pod News Weekly. Um, it, it, it's an industry podcast. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a consumer-based podcast. So we do go into the weeds. We talk about this stuff that we've just talked about. You know, value for value, um, extension tags. We talk about all of the hosting companies and some of the new apps, and we talk about what's going on in the industry. So it is a bit niche. I, I'm not going to say it's not, but that's what we designed it to be. Um, yeah, so reach out to me on any of those and more than happy to uh, engage if that's what you want. That's awesome. And I will be sure to leave the links as always in the show notes. So make sure you check them out wherever app you're listening on. So Sam, again, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to finding more about PodFans. You're very welcome, Danny, and thanks for inviting me.